Bringing you the latest research, tools, and common sense tips you need to get and stay healthy. It's Talk Healthy Today. Here's Lisa Davis. So glad you're listening to Talk Healthy Today. If you listen to the show, you know that I am all about whole foods and I like to put whole foods into my body and I like to feed them to my family. And as a matter of fact, my 13-year-old daughter the other day said she wants to snack healthier. So we went and got some Kind Bars. They are a sponsor. I'm a big, big fan. I love the dark chocolate and sea salt. She likes the caramel and sea salt. And right now you can try 10 Kind Bars for free. All you have to do is pay shipping. You can try the Kinds Snack Club. You'll be so glad you did. You could check them out at uh, kindsnacks.com slash T-A-L-K. Again, that's kindsnacks.com slash T-A-L-A-K. And I want to thank them because I get to talk to such amazing people. As a matter of fact, Drew Manning is here, fit to fat to fit. I am a huge fan. Drew, so excited to have you here. Hey, Lisa. I'm excited too. Thank you so much for having me on. You know, it's funny, Drew, because you did this amazing thing where you, you're a trainer and you wanted to relate better to your, you know, clients and people who have issues with their weight. Because it seems like, well, why don't you just exercise? What's the big deal? What's going on? I grew up super skinny, super awkward, super uncoordinated, always pick last for gym, uh, never felt comfortable in my body. And then when I was in my 20s, I became a trainer and I remember bumping into people. And even though I never had a weight problem, they'd be like, you're a trainer? Like, aren't you, like, you can't even throw a ball. I'm like, I still can't throw a ball. <laughs> yes, I'm a trainer. And I think even though I didn't have the understanding of what it's like to be heavy, I had the understanding of what it felt like to not be comfortable in my body. But for you, you talked about what you had like 11 brothers and sisters and you were all athletes and, and you wanted to see what it's like to be on the other side. Talk to us about this. Yeah, so it was very interesting growing up with that very black and white mentality of, you know, you either choose to be healthy and you just do the work. Or it was, you know, you choose not to be healthy and you were kind of lazy about it. And that was kind of the mentality I grew up with, you know, kind of no excuses. And when I became a trainer in 2009, I could immediately tell there's a disconnect between me and my clients, uh, you know, where I would get frustrated with them when they would tell me, you know, Drew, I cheated on the meal plans. You know, I gave in to soda this weekend and I didn't go to the gym. Like he told me to. And I'm like, well, why don't you just do what I tell you to? It's not that hard. If you just do it, you'll see results. And I would just get frustrated. In it. But they would tell me, you know, Drew, you don't understand because for you it's easy. You've always been in shape your entire life. And so, yes, I grew up with 11 brothers and sisters. I played football and wrestling since, a little, since I was a little kid. So all I ever knew was that it was easy to be in shape. All you do is eat healthy and exercise. And why is it so hard to stop drinking soda? <laughs> so that, that created <laughs> Step away from the soda. Sorry about that. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? When you, you think it should be easy, but it's not. No, it, it wasn't. And it really created this disconnect. And so that's what caused me to think of ideas of, okay, how can I be a better trainer? Maybe I'm, I need to learn a lesson as a trainer, you know, because a lot of trainers tend to think they know it all and um, are kind of uh, egotistical about that. And so I was thinking of ways to, to relate to my clients. And I know it sounds crazy, uh, Lisa, but the idea of getting fat on purpose it made sense in my mind. Like it felt like this was a calling, something that I needed to do. And so I even Googled, you know, to see if anyone had done this before on purpose and no one had. And so that's where the idea of fit to fit uh, originally started. You know, when you first thought of it, how long 
from thinking of it to actually putting it into action, was there a time period you're like, no, this is crazy. What about my health? What's my wife going to say? What are my friends going to say, et cetera? What is the public going to say? <laughs> yeah, it took me, it took me about three months to go from uh, the thought of initially thinking about it to, you know, starting. And yes, I did talk to friends and family and my wife at the time, I talked to her to see what she thought, and she was pregnant. And so it was kind of funny because she's like, so you're telling me we're going to have junk food in the house for the first time in our marriage? She's like, I'm all for this because, you know, she's pregnant, had cravings. <laughs> and so um, it was really funny. Everyone was so super supportive of the idea except for my mom, who was worried about my health and, you know, just, uh, you know, kind of that motherly role, just wanted to, to make sure I was okay. But I did it anyways and, you know, started a YouTube channel, started a website, you know, bought some vlogging equipment. And it was like, okay, I'm just going to get started with this. And I had no connections. I had no marketing strategy other than at the time I was mostly using Facebook. And um, just kind of ran with it. Started my, started my website, fit.fit.com, my YouTube channel. And my first meal was a dozen donuts. And I almost threw up. Oh. <laughs> it was, it was oh I got through gosh. seven. I got through seven donuts. <laughs> and then from there, it was... It was such a humbling process, the whole, the whole journey. Yeah. You know, I was just so fascinated reading about you and, and seeing it. And I love your show, which we'll get into. I think one of the things that I thought was so moving was that you really started to feel bad, not only, you know, about yourself, but just feeling this like heavy weight, no pun intended about what it's like to feel fat. And I heard you on another interview and this guy brought up Tyra Banks and said she wore a fat suit for a few hours. And it's like, no, I now I know what it's like, but no, you really don't. And I think the fact that you went through this so you can feel it and then to say, oh my God, it's, it's really hard and I'm having trouble getting up and I feel really sad. And this is like this mental, emotional thing that you went through. Yeah. I think that's what made my journey so relatable. People saw how humbled I was, and I realized how wrong I was about this journey. I I thought it was going to be just a physical journey of getting fat, you know, get some man boobs, the big gut, some love handles, and then I would lose the weight. I had no idea how much of this journey would become mental and emotional, and that's what made it so interesting and so relatable to so many people is, is because they saw my eyes open, and they saw how humbling it was, and they saw, if you look at back at my blogs and my my YouTube videos that I put out there, you see me just miserable throughout this journey because I've never experienced this type of um, uh, lack of energy and uh, lethargic and just um, not being able to help out around the house with my kids. Um, and uh, how much of this journey became mental and emotional for me. And that was the biggest surprise. And that's where the biggest lessons were learned were more so on the mental and emotional side. I knew I was going to get, you know, I was going to gain weight physically, but Man, it was so humbling, but it also, that's what made it so relatable to so many people, I think, that were following it. And your wife really struggled with what you were going through as well, because you did become less helpful, and you started snoring. And I think in your book, you open your book, something I, I wish I had in front of me. I, a friend borrowed it. Uh, <laughs> darn them. It was something about, it's the snoring that always does it, or something, and basically how you looked over and your wife wasn't there. And that was just like one of the myriad of things that you both had to go through with this whole journey. Yeah, if you read my book, Chapter 4, my my ex-wife now, uh, she was my wife at the time, but she opens up and is very honest and, and, and brutally honest at some times, <laughs> at some point, where um, <laughs> yeah. it was such a wake-up call for both of us, and it really tested our relationship. Even though I was doing this to myself on purpose as an experiment, she just saw how much 
my diet affected me as a person, not just my weight, but my personality changed, my self-confidence, uh, my self-esteem. I was so uncomfortable going out in public, Lisa. Like, I would want to go just up to strangers and say, hey, you know, I'm not really this overweight. I really look like this normally. Here's my website. Just an experiment, you guys. This is what I normally look like. I, I kind of freaked out because my whole life, my identity was my body. And, and you know, unfortunately, we do that to ourselves as humans, when in reality, there's so much more to us than our bodies. And I had to learn that through this through this journey. But my identity was based on what my body looked like. And once my body wasn't that, I had to find who I was. And so I was super self-conscious and, you know, except uh, out of the shower uh, and I'll cover up in front of my wife at the time. I, I didn't want her to see me naked. I didn't want to see myself naked. And those kinds of things really played with my head. Um, but that's where I realized transformation is so much more mental and emotional. And I was wrong as a trainer because I focused so much on the physical side of weight loss because that's all I could relate to as a trainer. And that's why I think so many trainers uh, tend to fail sometimes with helping their clients, uh, truly connecting them with them on the mental and emotional side because all they know is the meal plans and the workouts and the exercises and macros and calories and those kinds of things. But people know they need to do that. People know they need to eat healthy and exercise. It's the application of the knowledge that's hard to stay consistent for so many people. It really is. You know, I, like I mentioned earlier, I love your show. And it's it's interesting to see the changes in the trainers because you have, for people who haven't seen it, you definitely should on A&E. You've got the trainer who gains a certain amount of weight and then they are going to lose it at the same time that they're helping their client lose it. And I mean, one guy said, is fat I is fat and is what was it feeling fat sad or is fat mean sad or something with that because he just was like oh you know it was just so much and he hadn't expected that. Yeah, it's so interesting the the dy- the dynamic of the TV show. Um, so basically, in that show, for those listening that don't really know, so the TV show is called Fit to Fat to Fit. I'm kind of you know the creator of it and I coach these other trainers across the country through the same process because. Here's the thing. At the end of the day, some of the biggest lessons I learned were empathy, uh, more respect, and a better understanding for those that struggle with weight loss. And so what I wanted to do with the TV show is take these other trainers, which I'm not saying all trainers are this way, but a lot of them are similar to how I was, which are kind of judgmental, self-obsessed, think it's easy. And then I put them through this fit the fat process where for four months they can't exercise and they have to put on weight. And then the next four months, uh, you know, they're miserable. It's funny to see them go through this emotional roller coaster where at first they have fun for the first month. It's kind of fun. It's awesome. It's exciting. And then very quickly they are sick of it. They feel horrible. Um, they lose their identity a little bit. And then they're like, oh, man, I have three more months of this. And that's where you really see them tap into that mental and emotional side and really empathize with their clients. And so at the four-month mark, when they have to team up with their client and lose the weight together, and now they're this fat trainer, it's so humbling to see them go through this process because now for the first time in their life, they're starting from the bottom of the mountain, similar to their client, whereas their whole life they've been on top of this mountain yelling at their clients who are at the bottom, and now they get to go up that mountain together as a team and trainers really see it. They kind of see what it's like from their client's perspective. I'm not trying to say they know exactly what it's like, nor do I, but they have a better understanding versus versus before this journey. Oh, they definitely do. You know, another thing too, I think is so important is a lot of, you know, you mentioned when you were first starting and, and you had a dozen donuts and you ate the seven, 
But what makes us fat, and you've talked about this, is all the processed food and the things that people are eating all the time. And they don't have to be binging on donuts or eating a bunch of cake or cookies. They can just be eating the riceronis and the hamburger helper and the mac and cheese and all the other crap that is in most people's homes. And and, and, and getting into Whole Foods is what we need to be teaching people. And I don't exactly. mean Whole Foods a store. I mean eating Whole Foods. Well, you know, if you like yeah. the time, but Whole Foods, right? <laughs> a little plug, a little plug for Whole Foods. But... <laughs> no, I wasn't. I really meant just, you know, I mean, I've met, met this a million times, but my favorite meal is a big salad and a yam and some grass-fed skirt steak and some avocado and, you know, a bunch of vegetables. And, you know, that's, and I, I love that. And it's delicious and I feel good. And, and I, I haven't had a donut since I was 15. And no, I'm not bragging. I'm just saying I'm very sensitive <laughs> about what I eat. <laughs> I can't even imagine doing what you did, but back to the processed food, right? I mean, I, that's what the issue is. Totally, 100%. Because here's the thing, that the way I structured my journey was, we've all seen Super Fast Me, we, uh, you know, with Morgan Spurlock, yeah. where he eats McDonald's for 30 days straight. I think the majority yeah. of Americans know fast food is unhealthy for us, right? For some reason, we yeah. still eat it, but we, we know it's unhealthy. <laughs> the foods that I focused on, were a lot of the typical, you know, standard American foods that we grew up on in the 70s and 80s, um, things like white bread and white pasta and juices and granola bars and chips and cookies and crackers and the rice aroni and the spaghettios and the mac and cheese and the top ramen and the sugary cereals mm-hmm. and the sodas, all those cheap, you know, affo- cheap and affordable foods that you can buy at the grocery store that are convenient. And don't get me wrong, they taste good. Like, uh, Cinnamon Toast Crunch, to me, is like a drug. It is so good. <laughs> I had it twice a day on my journey, almost every single day, and I get it. I get why, you know, why people love it because it tastes so good and it's cheap, right? And it fills you up for a period yeah. of time. But those are the types of foods that I attribute my weight gain to. I gained 76 pounds in six months of pure fat, wow. going from 8.5% body fat to 32% body fat, eating these highly processed foods and developed a non-alcoholic fatty liver in just six months' time. And my blood pressure was 167 over 113. And some of these foods are marketed to us as, as healthy, right? They say whole grains and all oh, natural yeah. and even organic or gluten-free. And we think, oh, well, this is healthier for me. And so it's kind of sad to see, you know, so many Americans just kind of um, following the media with what they're saying about these foods. And, and, you know, it's even similar with, like, the whole American Heart Association recently with the coconut oil thing saying it's bad for yeah. you. And now people are like, oh, well, I'm going to better go to canola oil and vegetable oil. So... Anyway, really that's what so I took my wake into. Now, did you ever get scared? Like, what if I can't lose the weight? Or what if I get, you know, really into these foods and I can't give up that cinnamon toast crunch? And I'm not even saying that jokingly. I mean, you mentioned there, there's like an addictive quality with those foods. There really is. And that's another valuable lesson that I learned was when I transitioned from, uh, from fat to fit, those first two weeks of going back to whole foods were literally hell. Even though I was excited to eat these foods again. First of all, the food did not taste nearly as good as I remember it. So I really do think your taste buds change and adapt to the foods that you're eating. So when I was eating, you know, whole foods again, I'm like, man, this does not taste as good as my cinnamon toast crunch and Mountain Dew. Um, And and the other thing was how horrible I felt. Here I was this trainer, a proponent of living a healthy lifestyle, feeling so horrible those first two weeks where I had headaches and I was grumpy and I was moody and my body was going through these withdrawal symptoms as if I was getting off of drugs, right? Saying your body's like, I want those drugs again. And now getting off of them was a very humbling um, process for me to go through, but it clicked in my mind. I'm like, this is exactly what my clients were telling me when they couldn't give up those foods and they kept giving in to the sodas and the, and their, you know, their, their treats that they wanted, they've had their whole life. 
And I realized how powerful that emotional connection to food really is, and it really is an addiction. Um, and so my eyes were open. And, and yes, the cravings, in my opinion, do become more manageable over time, the more consistent you are. Like you said, you haven't had a donut since you were 15. You probably don't ever really crave a donut. But if you had one every no. week, most likely you would yeah. crave, tend to crave it more. Oh, that makes sense. So how, how do you work with people then? Knowing what you know now, do you have them add in more whole foods and just so that fills up more of what they're eating, but they get to keep some of the crappy food? <laughs> not to be, I'm not trying to sound judgmental, but you know what I mean? Like unhealthy food. How does that work? Because if you take it all away at once, isn't there that backlash of like, now I feel deprived and it's too fast and I need it or I feel like I need it? That's a really, really good question. And honestly, it's so individual. I wish I could just pull the plug and, and just go cold turkey with everybody like I did with myself. Yeah. Unfortunately, it doesn't work for everybody. Let's look at someone who's been drinking Diet Coke or Coke for 40 years, and now you're saying, okay, you can't wow. have this anymore, and you should feel great You know, the next day. It doesn't happen that way. Um, your body builds up an addiction to these things. And so here's the thing now that I've changed as a trainer. You could give someone the best meal plan and the best workout and even the best trainer, and all those physical things that are important, none of that matters if you don't know how to help that person overcome their mental and emotional challenges. And that's the key to making it a lifestyle change instead of just another diet that you do for 30 days and you feel miserable and you lose weight, but then you gain it, uh, gain it back because you feel so deprived. That's what so many Americans that this, with this diet mentality that we go through is, I know the physical stuff is important, but that's not, that's not the most important part for people. People know that, but it's helping them on the mental and emotional side of understand, helping them understand why they're addicted to these foods and building a support system and accountability for them to help them get off of, if you will, get off of these drugs and, um, and, and build a community of support for them to help them through this process, just like someone else getting off of you know, an alcohol addiction or even a drug addiction. It really does require that kind of uh, community uh, support to help that person. Yeah, it's so nice. And to have that accountability. I mean, we were recently at a family gathering and there was pizza and pasta and a bunch of stuff I don't usually eat, but I was really hungry. But I looked at my husband and I said, I'm not going to have any of that. And I want you to keep me to that. Like when you go see me like staring at the pizza drooling, <laughs> like walking towards it, just say, hey, hun, remember, there's some fruit and vegetables over there or whatever. And it, I, it was good. It worked. And we came home and I had a healthy meal and it wouldn't have been the end of the world if I had eaten the pizza. But it was just the point that sometimes you can be in a situation where you know you'll feel crappy. I, I have a lot of food sensitivities. So for me, it's more complicated. Like I really will have like what's called a food hangover and I'll feel crappy for hours the next day. And I'm like, that's not even good pizza. If I'm going to eat good pizza, I know where I'm going. Like there's a place with everything's organic and local and awesome. You know what I mean? Like I'd rather wait. So it is nice to have that accountability. Yeah, it, and it's so important. No matter who you are, even for me, I needed accountability on my journey back to fit, even though I was only overweight for six months. And yeah, luckily I had a blog and people following me, you know, after being on all these TV shows, because I knew if I went to the grocery store and got Cinnamon Toast Crunch and someone's like, hey, you're the fit fit guy. What are you doing eating Cinnamon Toast Crunch? I thought you were on your journey back to fit. I would have, like, freaked out and said, oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> and so it kept me accountable. But so what I'm saying is we all need it, but it's so valuable and so important. But here's the interesting thing with food is we have to, it's so weird that we live in a society where we, food makes us feel guilty as if it's a sin, as if we're sinning, yeah. right? Like it's almost a religion and, and to have that relationship with food, I don't think is that healthy uh, where we eat something and instantly afterwards we feel so guilty, right? It's like, when did that become an issue? That, was, that wasn't that way a hundred, 200 years ago. <laughs> it's just, exactly. we become so upset about our bodies. And what our bodies look like, and this kind of ties back into what I learned, is that, you know, there's so much more to us than our bodies. 
we have so much more to offer this world than, than being 5% body fat and, and being skinny because we think that's what we're supposed to be. And, and that really brings value to who we are when in reality, there's so much more to us. So my goal now isn't really just to uh, help people get this perfect body that they're looking for, but to be happy with where they're at in their journey now so that they love themselves now instead of saying, okay, well, you can love yourself when you become skinnier, you, be, you hit this goal. Teaching people how to love themselves the way they are while they're on their journey and working on a better version of themselves, but not tying their happiness to the result or the outcome only and helping them enjoy the process, like love the process of wanting to live a healthy lifestyle. Why? Because you feel better that way. You feel better eating healthy food. Like you said, um, you know, if you eat that pizza or something, you know it's going to cause this. It's going to make you feel like that. So if we could just teach people to learn to love themselves during the journey, I think, especially in the fitness industry, it, it, it'll help so many more people um, not focus on the outcome, but focus on the process. Drew, it's, I, I mean, I adore you. I adore you even more because something that I've said for years that drives me nuts is, that, you know, I'll see these shows where they're like, you can wear this beautiful dress once you've lost the weight or you have to wear these slumpy, crappy clothes to work out in. But once you use late, it's like, what the hell? Why can't you just love yourself all the way along? Like, why do you have to look like a schlump? Why can't you feel good about yourself wherever you are? So I'm so glad you said that. Yeah, no, and I, I'm, I'm a huge, I'm a huge proponent of it, and it's hard because we have social media, we have Instagram, we have magazines oh, and TV shows and movies where we compare ourselves constantly all the time to these, these people who look perfect online, and we think, oh, they look so happy. That's what I need to look like. But if we can just kind of get people out of that matrix, if you will, <laughs> and realize that yeah. happiness comes from within, it doesn't come from these outside sources of having the perfect body. I mean, don't get me wrong. It feels good to, to be in shape and to be healthy and be able to walk upstairs without breathing heavy. Um, that's part of it, but it's not the, the whole puzzle. It's just one piece of it. And so my whole goal is to focus and help people on, on the mental, and emotional, and even spiritual challenges of achieving health, which isn't just looking a certain way. Oh, I completely agree. Drew, the time goes by way too fast. I want to have you back because I want to talk keto. There's so many different things that I want to talk to you about. In the meantime, tell us all the ways we can find you on social media. Yeah, so it's really easy. It's just fit to fat to fit. And that's with the number two. So fit number two, fat number two, fit.com. And that's my Instagram handle, my Facebook, um, my Twitter, just at fit to fit. That's the name of my book as well. If you want to check that out the New York Times bestseller. It's a pretty good book, I think. But um, And then the oh, TV yeah. show, <laughs> the TV show is Fit, T-O, <laughs> Fat, T-O, Fit. And season one is out there on demand. And season two is coming in January of 2018. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, season two is even more awesome than season one, in my opinion. Uh, and wow. and then my podcast is also called Fit, Fat, Fit Experience, if you, want, if you want a good podcast to listen to. Woohoo. My gosh, Drew, you are just doing such great work. I'm just such a fan. This has been so much fun having you on. I want to thank everyone for listening to Talk Healthy today. You can check us out on social media, on Snapchat and Twitter at Talk Healthy, the number two day on Facebook at Talk Healthy Today podcast and on Instagram at Talk underscore Healthy Today. Everyone, thanks for listening and stay well.